Hi guys and welcome to the Fight Start Boxing Podcast. I'm Luke Cash as always and today we'll be talking about, you know, the one thing, uh, Dan- uh, Alexander Usyk against Daniel Dubois and Usyk's victory and the controversy over the low blow that theoretically in some people's eyes knocked, uh, knocked Usyk out in the fifth round. I think you can guess from my uh, my wording there what I think of the uh, of the low blow. Just a quick word before I start. You may have noticed the last few weeks uh, this podcast is a... Uh, has been a bit thinner on the ground. Um, those of you who listen regularly, which kind of assume as anyone who's listened to it at all, but um, yeah, those of you who listen regularly will know, um, may know that I uh, may have had me mention health problems. It's nothing super serious, it's, but um, after um, I'm really often really low on energy and just not feeling great, and after my day job and uh, all the other stuff I have to do, I just don't always have the energy and the time to, to put together a podcast. So. Um, that's why it's been a bit on the ground. I am currently on holiday and just taking time to chill. So I'm hoping I'll have a bit more, uh, bit more juice left to to do a bit more frequent podcasts and fight site previews. To be honest, um, I can't promise anything, but we'll see how that goes in the next few months. Um, anyway, let's get on with the the fight itself. And I will start just by talking about the the controversy over the low blow that uh, Dubois caught Usyk with in the fifth round that sent him down and then they got five minutes to recover and um, and Dubois and Frank Warren and a f- quite a few British commentators but not nearly all of them um, plus also Tim Bradley for some reason uh, think it was a think it was a legal blow a legitimate shot and it shouldn't have been called a knockdown and my own view on this is that the people and the thing is I feel awkward saying this because some of the people saying this are you know, professional boxers. Sonny Edwards has been saying this, and a few others um, that it should be should have been uh, a legal blow. But um, it just seems to me that that seems to be a misunderstanding. I don't know. Either their anatomy is completely different to you know the average, or they're misunderstanding the rules because the rules, the the, the whole rule set of boxing is uh, is set with bullshit in the sense that there is one unified rules of boxing that pretty much everyone follows but that's very simplified and then after that there are like different rule sets that different people use that their own or the local um, commission like the, uh, the the title bodies um, the WA, WBC and so on they all either have their own or they uh, refer back to one or the other um, local authority the European uh, boxing commissions have their own, um, and then since this is Poland, that would apply. Uh, the British Boxing Board of Control has their own, but that doesn't apply here. It tends to stack, like, go upwards. So um, if there's a title on the line, the title bodies will decide. If there isn't, it's the local authority, and you know um, that kind of thing. But in any case, the the point is that there were multiple potential rule sets um, in play for this fight. Um, and some of them have different, like, broadly they're always the same, but some of them have different ideas about, you know, um, some of them will specify 10 seconds for a, a count, some will say the referee's count of 10, which is the original rule in, in the unified rules. Anyway, slight ramble, just to go back uh, to the thing, they all pretty much agree on where the line is for a low blow, and it's below the line of the hips. It's below the line, as you, if you put your hands on your hip bones and draw a line between them is that line some of them including the I think it's a WBA um, will also specify the navel with the belly button which is um, slightly awkward because that isn't always the same you know it's some people's higher relative to the hips and some people's 
you know, in line with hips, occasionally a pat on its lower. Um, but but it's always uh, it's always pretty much the imaginary line between hips, um, and the none of the rule sets that could potentially have been in play, including the ones you know by the uh, by the um, the belt bodies, none of them this. Um, the, what was I talking about that contradicted that it's all it's it's line on hips, and um, shout out to Asian Boxing by the way on Twitter um, who first brought you know I knew this rule kind of like I you know I know because I, I see watch lots of boxing and you see the uh, the referee say uh, this line is where it's below so it's higher than um, apparently people think anyway um, yeah um, we um, the referee apparently specified this in the dressing room some, some guy on um, Dubois team I'm not sure who it was he did an interview with um, IFL TV and he specifically specified that the referee had told them it's the line between the hip bones and he could, then went on to say and we all saw it land above that line and it's like I'm sorry where do you think his hips are it's like yes in the moment that the lat shot landed we couldn't see Dubois belly button so uh, Usyk's belly button so you know theoretically it could have landed above it but no it couldn't no it was so obviously below that line like at least part of the punch landed below that line and I feel like the people calling it uh, calling that it was a good shot believe that it has to land squarely on the balls and that's just not not the case like in my opinion I also think that because of the uppercut as it came through it clipped Usyk's cup and that's why he fell down the way he did um, I don't know about that it might also have, you know, not um, there are other vulnerable areas in that spot, not not quite so instantly debilitating, but there are reasons why you're not allowed to hit below the, you know, generally below the hips, and it's not just a, you know, if you get caught square in the nads. But I just don't see why it's controversial. Like in the moment, even I, I was commentating the fight live for, well, typing it up live for Bloody Elbow, um, and I, I wasn't sure, like on the first replays, I was like, okay, maybe. But um, once you see several back angle replays, they, it, it's just clearly below that area. And I don't understand why there's still such a big fuss over it, apart from Dubois' side, who I think would be sneaky. Um, Don Charles being an enormous hypocrite, calling Usyk a liar and a cheater and a sneak and a drug cheat, uh, equivalent to a drug cheat who, whose religion shouldn't allow him to act like this. And it's like, my guy, those are not the rules. And you should know that. If you don't know that, you're failing your fighter as a coach. And if you do know that, you're lying. It's just it's just distasteful to see. Uh, you know, some fans just maybe didn't realise what the rules were. And I appreciate that because, you know, the rules are boxing fucking mental. But um, but it's, it's just for me. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm blind. But I'm clearly not the only one who thinks so. It, uh, that punch landed below the line of his hip bones. It just... <laughs> it's so obviously not a legal punch and you can argue about whether Usyk should have got up straight away and uh, you know whether he should have got the f- full five minutes even Usyk didn't want the full five minutes he was arguing with the referee that he wanted to fight even after the um, after the contest but even that argument kind of gets itself into trouble because there's this argument that, um, that the punch was uh, good and Usyk was therefore debilitatingly down because of it and if the referee had started to count he would have reacted differently and got up so I'm sorry, uh, you're arguing against yourself. Either the punch was a, a punch that debilitated Usyk and should have been called called a knockdown, or he was fine and just pretending. And you know those the, those are two uh, arguments for why Usyk should have lost. But they're two arguments that contradict each other directly. Pick one. All right.
either it was a debilitating decision blow and you have to decide whether it was a low debilitating blow or not or it didn't hurt him at all it can't be both you can't use both arguments to, to say why Usyk has lost any in any case um, that's enough of that I, uh, I just don't see the controversy in the long run I understand why people are upset in the instance and I understand why uh, Dubois team is just trying their hand to be honest like, um, but I don't see the, the full controversy it was low it wasn't very low but it was low um, so let's move on to the fight itself it went about as you might expect um, Dubois showed some new tricks that he hasn't really shown before you know based on his new partnership with Don Charles and just being an, 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 an improving fighter and bringing in Usyk's former trainer Bashir for the camp um, you know he, he improved but it was always going to be extremely difficult for him to be improve enough to beat Usyk and that proved to be the case the thing about Dubois is that um, he is, it is not entirely fair it is a bit too simplistic to say he's a junior version of Anthony Joshua uh, but in uh, you know in both good ways and bad there are things that he has that Joshua doesn't but they're also very uh uh, you know a lot of things that Joshua does that Dubai just isn't there yet but um, but the point is pretty clear when you see them fight you can see what people are saying what I'm saying when I, when I make that comparison um, Dubai is a quite straight line fighter much more than Joshua is um, uh, probably more than Joshua ever has been but um, yeah, he's quite a straight line fighter he's um, he is a uh, quite simple fighter um, who tends to fight to a template like um he is picking out things, uh, adjusting on the fly, but it's adjusting on the fly from, for my opinion, you know, I can't know, uh, can't know for sure, but in my opinion, he has a book of things, like a list of things in his head that he has, that he can try, and he picks from that as available in like a template. He's not adjusting in the midst of the moment, um, making things up in the midst of the moment. If he hasn't got an idea already in the book, um, he's unlikely, but there, there will be times when he tries, just try some shit it's, um, and sees what sticks, but he isn't like um he isn't making up strategies on the fly um which is you know a rare skill but um yeah Dubai doesn't um Usyk has it Dubai doesn't and it's harder that makes it harder for him when Usyk starts getting around with the um with the uh, lateral movement that Usyk has and Dubai just doesn't really and um I will say that Dubai did try to impede the lateral movement um he had a few shots going as usual for and impeding circling fighters that were hooks um, he was trying to hook with his uh, left hand upstairs and his right hand mostly downstairs um, just to stop Usyk circling and the th but the thing was for me um, uh, is that um, it was really one type of hook upstairs and one type of body shot downstairs and if those caught Usyk he had a scrolling shot but because they were always the same Usyk could account for them and occasionally they'd catch him but most of the time they didn't actually stop him moving in either direction and that proved the problem because once Usyk had turned him Dubois did not have uh, good responses and in fact he had outright bad responses um, people are talking about Dubois fragility um, he looked like he was rocked very easily with jabs he was dropped in the end by it wasn't quite a jab but it was a lead hand popping lead hand shot so I get it um, Usyk being a southpaw, that was a right-handed shot um, for him against uh, Dubois uh, normal. So it was an open stance fight, and every time, especially he got, when he got around the outside, um, got the yeah, got around um, Dubois' lead shoulder. Um, if Usyk caught him, then he was just off balance and he was staggering. He wasn't really hurt, I think, for me. And people talk about how he must be chinny and all that. 
I'm not sure it's any better, but it's more fixable. Like, um, he was just caught being caught off really easily, caught off balance whenever, whenever Usyk came around his lead hand, uh, his lead side, his lead shoulder, um, and he wasn't able to turn as quickly as he needed to to stay in that fight. And um, yeah, I mean, that was just the defining aspect of the fight, really. It's not a lot of complexity and analysis going on here. It was, um, you know, Dubois throwing those intercepting shots. And also, the one punch that did work for him was the one that caused a low blow. <clears throat> At other times, it did work for him was the uppercut down the middle. Because um, because that's a hard punch to avoid. You know, you throw an uppercut down the middle and it's, you know, circling one way or the other. He'd have to stay off the centre line and he can't do that forever. But, you know, case of timing as well. And um, because Dubois wasn't super setting it up super well um, it only worked a few times but it did trouble Usyk like I will say that um, you know it was a shot that he it was the shot that he least enjoyed and we'll get to Usyk and his body shot troubles um, you know air quotes uh, in a second but um, but uh, that was Dubois biggest success and he was right to go for it um, but it wasn't tactically useful to him like, there was nothing tactically that Dubois had really at all it was just danger um, and he wasn't hurting Usyk enough to to win the fight that way. So it really is a case of, for Dubois of just finding the layers, finding the extra depth. If you're fighting a guy like Usyk, and I think this has to be a failure of preparation, because we've seen it from other guys before, even Joshua when he fought Usyk, um, you know, quite straight line guys, um, you have to practice turning with your opponent. And we've seen it from, um, you know, not against, just against Usyk, against Lomachenko, some of his opponents, um, you know, will come in seeming quite straight-lined. Um, Linares was the classic one, but even more recently there was um, Jermaine Ortiz, who surprised Lomachenko, and, uh, you know, me watching and quite a few people watching. He, he, Lomachenko clearly won the fight, but he struggled with uh, Ortiz suddenly showing that he had really... that he was just really dedicated to turning with Lomachenko. Um, and, you know, similar happened to Bam Rodriguez in both of his last two fights against Israel Gonzalez and Christian Hernandez. He won both those fights, but he made... Uh, bam dig a lot deeper and change its style just by turning with him and um, and Dubois just had nothing in that respect like once Usyk got around the corner he had nothing he had no not even a follow up punch like a, a des sort of desperate like if you're going to get to that position at least I'm going to threaten you he had nothing and that seems to me a failure of preparation because even if you're worried about your gas tank which is another thing I'm going to get onto in a second um, you have to you have to have a response to your opponent getting into his position of greatest strength against your greatest weakness. Even if it's not going to be something you use always for your whole career, it's not something that you can, you know, integrate to your game properly. You have because that was the case of Linares. If you watch his later fights of Donomachenko, he did turn. He was capable of turning, but that was by far the most he'd put into that. And for, you know, there are reasons why that kind of disappears from a fighter's game after being ingrained. It's about, um, you know. You don't want to dedicate that much time in training to completely just instill with that and then lose other things that you're doing. Because we've seen that before with fighters and, you know, focus so much on one thing they forget another. Anyway, but he had to have focused on that in this fight because it his inability to do that just took away his inability to, his ability to do anything else. Like the moment Usyk circled, especially around his loose shoulder, but the other way too, um, Dubai had no answer and that was the story of the fight. And then the other, the other issue was... Um, well, let's talk about uh, how the fight started just very quickly. Um, Dubois did start 
trying to bait Usyk onto things. And that's a smart enough idea, but Usyk didn't really fall for it, so he had to start pushing. And he did catch him with that low shot, and that changed the fight because he did what he should have done after the recovery time. Da, 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 da. Usyk was still a bit compromised, and he went chasing him. But he only had that going for 30 seconds also and then Usyk responded and Usyk won the round very clearly and um, I think that told both of them it changed their mentality for both because Dubar yeah Dubar was um, aware or at least convinced that he could catch Usyk and that that was his best chance by that stage he knew that he technically had nothing he's not a dumb fighter he's just a shadow one um, he knew he had no you know he wasn't going to coral Usyk into anything so he was okay I'm going to just throw these big shots and try to get you but he didn't have the energy to do it for very long and Usyk was taking over and um, then towards the end of each round he'd start pushing first the last 10 seconds of like really extended combinations um, and then the last 20 seconds and in the last um, in the 8th um, round he um, he started pushing um, about 40 seconds further on the end and he dropped Dubois right at the end of the round and he was just clearly completely out of cast and at that point Usyk went okay he can't live with me and he hasn't got enough energy now to put enough pop to be really threatening to me and he just came out straight away in the round 9 and pushed from the go and there was just no way that Dubois was going to live with that pace and he was exhausted like, people are talking about how he quit and how he's um, he's hurtable and how he you know he was a, um, he stood up between 9 and 10 which is always going to get called off because you're not going to be fully on your feet by the end of the 10 cow and all of that's true but he was just exhausted I wouldn't blame it on a lack of will to continue and I wouldn't blame you know he was just fucking knackered which is a whole other problem um, because, you know I would say I think people are right when they say Dubois doesn't love being hit you know more than most boxers um, but he's also constantly putting him in the positions where he will anyway like um you know, he 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 took this fight. He took the um, the Joe Joyce fight. So he's not in that sense not timid. Um, it is slightly similar to the um, to the Joshua problem, but um, you know, the people talk about how Joshua restructured his game after taking those shots from uh, Vlad uh, Vladimir Klitschko and from um, from Andy Ruiz. But it's a different issue because Dubois is uh, you know Joshua is kind of just turned into a back foot fighter. He isn't committing as much to the front foot shots and he shouldn't be I don't think he should be but Dubois is still a front foot fighter he tried counter punching a little bit from you know the beginning but when it came to it he pushed forward he just wasn't able to push forward as much as he should be able to so I don't think that that was worry about what was coming back at him so much even though he you know he doesn't react well to being hit but I don't think he was making his choices based on that I think he was making his choices based on the fact that he just didn't have the gas tank, he didn't have the energy to push forward long enough to make that work for him which um, which is a real, real problem for him and I, I suspect that's why he's getting leaner as he gets older, it's like you wouldn't normally expect that from a guy who started that young like he started in, uh, in his 20s or even younger than that and he's lighter now than when he broke through which you wouldn't expect and I think that is because, uh, that must be I assume because he's finding himself gassing out too soon um, to a certain extent that's you know the amount that he ran out of gas here um, is only going to be able to manage it to a certain extent um, to, to deal with it with a certain extent to reduce it to a certain extent and he's going to have to manage it um, it's doable um, you know Canelo is you know he's never going to reach Canelo's level but um, Canelo uh, Canelo managed to um, 
to sort out and manage his gas tank problems for a long time um, on a more achievable level. Anthony Yard, um, you know, it's a bit silly to say that he's sorted out his gas stamina problems, but he, you know, he dealt with it a lot better, showed a lot more against uh, Baturbiev than he did against um, Kovalev. So, so it's it's fixable, but he has to think about that, and uh, it has to be tactical thinking, not just oh, I've got to get leaner and deal and make my, you know getting leaner will up my stamina because that only works to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, um, it was an okay performance by Dubois, considering what where he is and who he is as a boxer. Like it, it was always a puncher's chance for him, and it didn't come through. Um, he did show some nice ideas, some nice tricks, some. You know, some thought, food for thought for the future. When Usyk and Fury, because he's never beaten either of those two, when Usyk and Fury are done, and the other big, like, big names for now are done, he still has to improve to challenge the other top guys like um, Jared Anderson fought on the uh, on the night. And I don't see Dubois beating Anderson, like he is right now. But he has it in him to beat Anderson. Anderson has some of the same issues. He's just faster. He is also a very straight line fighter and all of that. For Usyk, you know, Usyk, we just hope he gets Fury next. Um, he's not going to get Fury next. He's going to get Hrugovic. He should win that fight comfortably because Hrugovic is just too slow. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's on the sort of uh, wrapping, putting up a bow on his career stage of his uh, stage of his career. Um, yeah, just hope the best fights for him. And yeah, Dubai just has to think about shit. Um, there was one thing I was going to talk about that I apparently have forgotten. Oh yeah, Usyk and his body shots. I'm a bit in the middle on this one because there is a school of thought that Usyk really hates body shots. He's really vulnerable to them. You know, any opponent, he's he's extra vulnerable to them. And, da, 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 da. and then there's the other school of thought, the counter to that, which is that Usyk is no more vulnerable to body shots than any fighter. Um, you know, anyone just go for body shots against him is being silly. Blah blah blah. I'm in the middle there because um, it's not like Usyk has ever lost as a pro to a body shot. He has never been, you know, okay, some people think he should have lost today. It was low. Fuck you. Anyway, put that aside. Usyk has not shown, like, a crippling, debilitating vulnerability to body shots that um, curls him up. You know, it's not the Emir Khan of, uh, of Billy's. Um, that is clearly not something... It's not something that's true. And I would also say... Um, just targeting his body is... Uh, you can't do that because he will eventually pick up on it and punish you for that tendency if you just focus on the one thing and he isn't vulnerable enough in the body to make that risk worth taking but I would say I think he does wince more easily from body shots than other fighters tend to do like he you know you, you get tagged in the body a lot when you're fighting and I think you see Usyk go a little bit more often from body shots than you would expect from from someone like that, you know, from someone getting hit as often or as rarely as he does. Um, but it's not a crippling vulnerability. He just kind of shudders and moves on and moves away and avoids that shot for a bit. Um, so, I would, but I do think, you know, it is, he, relatively speaking, to how easy he is to, to hit to the head and how hurtable he is to the head, he is more hurtable to the whole body and probably slightly more hurtable to the body than, you know, not all other fighters, but some other fighters. It's relatively speaking his weakness is to the body but at the same time he is not like oh no he can't get hit to the body or he'll fall over oh yeah you know any opponent will target him uh, Usyk will just blast him there, um, Fury will just blast him there fall over that's not true at all it's a slight relative weakness that you can that an opponent can look at and think okay 
I can try to tag him there, but I have to, you know, I can't just throw at his body. Um, you know, I have to work at it and take my chance if it comes. I can't, you know, just focus him on that one. It's only would be stupid. Um, so I'm kind of in the middle. I'm sitting on the fence there. But, um, yeah, I do think it would be... I don't think Usyk takes this uh, lightly, and I think it would be um, irresponsible to pretend to to say that, okay, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing... Clearly no one likes getting hit in the body, but some guys just react to it, you know, less than others. And I think it's just very slightly, it's not like a, you know, yeah, it's not a big thing, but I do think it's, I do think people are seeing something that is to a certain extent there. Um, any case, um, it's, I don't think it's, also, I also don't think it's going to come up like, potentially if you thought Fury, Fury is not enough to throw shots at his body constantly without getting super punished. But also if he did that, I think he'd find himself getting turned you know, more than he's used to. It's, it's not, you know, but that's the only time I can see it really coming up. I can't see any other opponent even beginning to target what might potentially be a small vulnerability. So, you know, it's not a huge issue. Okay. Um, that's that for the fight. I do want to talk about a little bit about the rest of the card. There wasn't a whole lot on it, but Ham, um, Hamza Shiraz, he fought um, Dmitry Mitrofanov uh, on this card. Hamza Shiraz is a British prospect um, who is, uh, he's a very tall middleweight. He's not six foot three. Um, but he fights a middleweight, he was a lot bigger than Mitrofanov. It's hard to say how much this says about Shiraz because I was not super familiar with Mitrofanov before and I am not familiar with him now. Shiraz just kind of blasted them out very quickly in the second round, um, just tagged him with clean, accurate, lovely combinations. But that's what I wanted to say, really. If you like a, you know, if you like clean, accurate combination work, um, Shiraz is a fighter to watch. He's only 24, I think. Um, he had some very disappointing performances especially uh when he fought bradley skeet um back in 21 when he was still at 154 and he had a terrible performance there but he and he should have lost because he hit uh, skeet um hit skeet um when skeet was on the ground and clearly you know debilitated him and he was just deducted the point and carried on that should have been a dq he should have lost on his record but since then he stepped up away and he looks like he's addressed some of those issues of dealing with you know problems problematic rhythms um, certainly had no problem with Mitrovanov I mean it just totally different fighter to skeet but Mitrovanov showed a little bit of head movement early on and then just got tagged um, he's an accurate puncher when you know when he's not in, in it and he's just got lovely flowing combinations and he's one to watch in the middleweight division this fight didn't say a lot about you know like I say it's hard to say what it said about where he is because it's hard at least for me others may have a better idea to judge Mitrovanov but it's worth watching this two rounder you know, tech rounder, but it lasted two rounds. Um, just to see, you know, he's a good prospect. He might be one of the better British prospects upcoming. Like he kind of went down a bit in the estimations because of that skeet performance, but um, they were all fixable issues, and it's possible that he's fixed them. And his upsides are great. He's got a great jab and just lovely accurate combinations. Not a huge lot to say there. Um, the other fight was um, the other fights of note on the card were a slightly dull um, victory by um, Dennis Bedinchik over Anthony Yigit. Um, Bedinchik being like um, you'd have seen him, you'd have seen possibly him on YouTube with uh, combination compilations of his entrances, which are spectacular. Him in the ring, he's kind of he's not that dissimilar to his near namesake um, Balantrik, um where he's quite a crude slugger. He does do some neat stuff with start switching, but he's an aggressive, crude, a crude, hard puncher. Whereas Yiga is a outfit boxer. You know, clever ideas, slightly rugby technically. Um, it was a weird fight because Vinicius was putting forward and not 
but being unvolumed. But in the end, he did enough to beat Yigit, who was you know throwing pits of patter punches, which is what Yigit kind of does. A good and trick did just kind of get himself together enough to throw enough punches to win. It wasn't a controversial decision. Um, the controversy came after the fight um, with the organisers. I don't know whether it was the local organisers or K2 or whoever um, the broadcasters. I'm not sure. But you get had multiple cuts, some from head clashes, some from punches, multiple cuts all over his face. It was just generally, you know, he wasn't um, in life-threatening condition, and that was a problem because they said you can't have the ambulance, you can't have anything else to take you to hospital. Get there yourself. And you know, nothing on site to stitch his cuts, nothing, no way to get to the hospital. You can't do that to a fight. So if you're putting on a boxing show, you have to have medical assistance on site. And look, I agree, if there's an ambulance, if there's only one ambulance, which I think is probably fading on its own, if there's only one ambulance, um, then probably the fighter shouldn't be taking it to the hospital if it's, you know, not a life-threatening, you know, if it's not urgent. But you have to have a car, a taxi, something to get him to the hospital. In the end, they send him in the ambulance, um, which, Frankly, like what if something happened while he'd been in the you know the main event? Um, um, yeah, it's just a shambles. Um, you know, like British cars don't allow a fight to go ahead if the ambulance isn't on the uh, isn't on site. If there isn't an ambulance on site and they can't get out, they'll just stop them. They'll stop the car and say you're not fighting until the ambulance is back. Until one time, one memorable time, some dickhead parked the ambulance in and they said you go and get your car and move it until the you know the fights aren't happening. Clearly, that didn't happen here because I don't think they. You know, you get says he took the ambulance to the hospital. They didn't stop the main event. Maybe it was after the main event, like maybe it finished by then. I don't know. But clearly, there was some failure. You have to treat your fighters better. You have to have options um, to get them to the hospital and away from the hospital afterwards. Um, other than that, uh, the one decent fight on the card in terms of back and forth action um, was um, was. Fyodor Cherkashin, who's a Ukrainian slash, you know, he's Ukrainian born, but he fights as as a Polish fighter. Um, he moved, I think, he moved before the war. Um, like a, he moved a fair long while ago. He's a former Muay Thai fighter, which you can kind of see in the uh, uprightness of his stance and the way he moves. And he needs to lose some of those tendencies because um, uh, he's still moving in a way as if he's reacting to potential kicks coming, which obviously aren't, and it's making him more vulnerable to certain movements of boxers. And he's fighting at. Now I'll look at Ngamasengwe. Apologies, I screwed up a little bit. Anyway, um, yeah, Ngamasengwe is a uh, he is a Congolese fighter fighting out of France, also fighting currently as a Frenchman, but you know Congolese as well. Um, and he kind of he'd never fought outside of France. Um, kind of not really. He kind of came out of um, not well. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. Chad Cashin is kind of promoted quite well in. Uh, in Poland and he's kind of seen as a prospect and he lost this one let's not be about the it was a good back and forth fight between Chilkashin he had slightly classier work but he made those mistakes and let Nkansengwe get in and bully him around and just push around I don't think either one of these has world level upside but European level sure and, and um, it was a nice even matchup like it was close it wasn't like a beating but um, but yeah Chilkashin just reacted too, a few times too much to to being hurt, I think it was down a couple of times. I'm, you know, not uh, not remembering this super well. Uh, let me check um, on the belt uh, thing. Any case, um, yeah, it was it was a good fight, and you know, if you're stuck with a fight to watch, uh, it's not it's not it's not bad. Um, okay, other than that, there were other cards on the weekend. However, I was travelling and all of that shit, so I did not. Um, have time, just didn't have time to catch up with anything. Um, apparently, Jared Anderson looked really good against his, um, you know, aged opponent, um, whose name I am currently blanking on. 
because I'm very professional and set up all my stuff before. Um, yeah, Andrew Rudenko, who is a, like, um, I don't know, 40, 39, um, 39 year old, you know, real veteran. And, um, Anderson just dominated him. I can't help but feel like this was a guy who they brought in specifically to make him look a bit cooler because his last attempt to be a, a, he, you know, his first last attempt to be an ESPN headliner um, just wasn't, you know, he won very easily, but he wasn't exciting. So they brought in a really old guy who cannot possibly keep up with Jared Addison's speed. Um, but, you know, Jared Addison is like one of the rising heavyweights. Um, worth a look. And apparently um, on that same fight, there was a comedy show where F.A. Jaguar fought in San Kosovutsky and I apologise for I don't know what's going on with the names today I should be able to say Kosovutsky without a problem um, in any case um, they were throwing low blows at each other a Jaguar with a bit of sneak uh, Kosovutsky with just no interest in being you know, finishing the fight he was blottering him apparently and uh, uh, if you're too young to remember Andrei Gorta by the way he's a Polish fighter who fought Razor Ruddock um, near Ruddock um, Back in the nineties, and he had him on, um, he had him on toast. Uh, you know, he was winning the fight, is what I'm saying there. And he just started slamming him in the nudges, just absolutely battering him. And the referee was going like, "Dude, dude what are you doing? Stop fucking hitting your opponent in the balls." Um, and it was Riddick Bow. Why did I say Riddick Bow? It was Riddick Bow. Um, and yeah, there he got disqualified um, in one fight. They rematched because, um, because. Because Golota, Golota's winning one, it's like, oh, he's had some kind of mental breakdown. He just did it again. <laughs> he just fucking did it again. So, so yeah, the guy here this evening, whose name I've just said and forgotten, Dan Kosobutsky, um, he had that approach, except he wasn't winning. So it wasn't as like ludicrous. It was just a way, looking for a way out. Um, apparently, Jaguar was dirty as well. I haven't seen the fight. It might be worth looking up just for the comedy. Um, other than that, you know, there were some prospect wins, which I'm not going to comment on because I did not watch it. Okay, that's that for the week. That's what I have to say. Um, this weekend is uh, is um, Eubank versus um, Smith rematch, which, you know, that was a fun fight. It'll be fun to watch. It's quite a good card. There's a lot going on on the card. Um, let me just uh, in have a look. It is... Um, yeah, Adam Azim is fighting Aaron Finian. I'm not super familiar with that, but it's a 10 rounder. Azim is a, a really good prospect. Fraser Clark versus David Allen. Fraser Clark is, in my opinion, not a good prospect. Um, Dave Allen is back from, uh, he had retired due to not taking sports seriously, having some brain health issues. Um, I hope he's in a good spot now. If he is, he's perfectly good enough to beat Fraser Clark, who I don't rate very highly. Uh, there's a couple of other things going on on that fight, on that. Um, on that, that are pretty good. It's a good card. It's you know, probably the card is you know supports the main event ably. I'd say it isn't that better than the main event in the sense that the main event is a perfectly evenly will be fun, but it's not very, you know, we've seen it before and neither one of these will be going. You know, Smith might fight for a world title if he wants, but you know, it's, he's not a future challenger of like renown. They're both at the end of their careers. But the up, you know, there's a lot of upcoming, a lot of proofing going on in the card. Um, so I'd account for that. Uh, other than that, yeah. I will see you next time. I hope next time will be next week. Um, we'll see. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, follow me on at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Find my written stuff, including my review of Usyk versus uh, versus Dubar on um, Bloody Elbow. But also find my written stuff, um, which again I will be hoping to do more of on the fight site, and especially for kickboxing, wrestling, mixed martial arts, all of that stuff. 
the fight site, please. Um, and join our Patreon where we have a Discord where we have all, you know, just chat shit about the fights and about other stuff. Uh, yeah, that's it. See you next time.